some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. You're listening to Agenda by Women in the Arts. I'm Isabel Hawthorburn. And I'm Katie Winton. Thanks to All the Best for another wonderful show. To hear more, uh, All the Best radio documentaries and to listen to radio.com, click on the Programs tab and then click on All the Best. Happy International Non-Binary People's Day for yesterday. Contrary to what Vogue published in their recent non-binary issue, Non-binary is a little bit more complex than borrowing your boyfriend's clothes. So non-binary or gender queer refers to gender identities that are only masculine or feminine. Identities which are outside of the gender binary or cis normativity. So maybe they should have just left it to Teen Vogue to break it down. Yeah, I feel like the difference between Teen Vogue and Vogue, Vogue is quite astronomical. But yeah. We'll uh, put a link up to that article if you missed that one. This week we have a pretty equal balance of good and bad news uh, in our feminist news segment coming up a little bit later in the show. Um, there's so much in there from... Uh, more news from the T word uh, to Ava DuVernay's uh, film adaption of A Wrinkle in Time featuring Mindy Kaling, Reese Witherspoon and Oprah. I really can't stress enough that like Ava DuVernay is directing Oprah in a science fiction film. I'm so freaking excited. I know. Is this, quote, to quote Isabel, feminism has won. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll have more Kardashian updates from our Kardashian correspondent later in the show. And we'll also be debuting Plastic Love Attack, which is the brand new single from the Connie Experience. First, though, let us know if you have any good or bad feminist news. 0409 945 945. Get your text in. Up next, we'll be talking to Lily and Madeline Madden about the Sydney Languages Project and the importance of reviving and speaking Indigenous languages. So Lily is a zookeeper at Taronga Zoo working with the Australian fauna and Maddie is an actor who just finished shooting the adaption of Picnic at Hanging Rock so we'll be very excited to talk to them in a sec. Let's take a listen now to the brand new track from the Connie Experience. We had Connie on the show a few weeks ago and she gave us a sneak peek of this track from the perspective of the seagull. So if you're listening, uh, this is the new single from the Connie Experience. You're on Agenda on FBI Radio. thinking about messing around with a piece of plastic, stop. Think twice. Let's give the seagulls a
single there from the Connie experience. That one was Plastic Love Attack. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're joined now by Lily and Madeline Madden. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. Um, So can you talk to us a little bit about what the Language Project is? So the Language Project for us is what we've kind of, um, you know, projects that we've been involved in. So um, one of the um, the projects that me and Madeline were a part of was a project for Barangaroo. And so that was um, singing in language, you know, um, the Gadigal language, which is where we're from, um, Gadigal land, singing yeah. in language. Um, yeah, you it, know. Was, it, was, it was a public artwork commissioned uh, by Barangaroo to Genevieve Greaves and Amanda Reynolds. Um, and pretty much it was a series of short films featuring different women from parts of the Sydney languages. So we had women from uh, Darug, uh, Darawal, uh, Gadigal, Bunjalung. So it was it was a widespread um, group of women and it was a, we all came together and it was uh, kind of like a an ode to uh, Barangaroo, who was a fierce Darug woman. And, um, oh, Camilleroy? No, Camregal. Camregal. <laughs> Sorry, Camregal woman. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a really amazing project for us to be involved in. And did you both come on to the project together? Like, how did you become involved in it? Yeah, so um, Amanda and Jen, um, they came to us and they asked us if we would like to be a part of it. Um, so it was definitely an honour to, but also a bit of a, you know, a lot of responsibility to Absolutely. try and portray, you know, um, you know, Gadigal women. And um, so it was It was very exciting time for both me and Madeline to, mm. you know, mm. because we really went and, um, you know, asked our grandfather, asked, um, you know, a few elders here and there what we could do and we working with elders to kind of bring something together. So we incorporated fish hooks um, in the film, which is very highly significant to um, Gadigal women because they were known as great fisherwomen. So that's why, you know, the Sydney Harbour is such a great kind of fishing site and an important site. Um, so, yeah, we incorporated fish hooks. Um, so we sang in language, which was something that we had, had never really um, 
Done you before. Know, heard yeah. of before. Mm. Um, so like through William, the William Dawes notebooks. Mm-hmm. So this is where he, um, I guess I can go into it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can please. you explain for people who haven't yeah, heard of William okay. Dawes? Yeah, so he was, um, he was an ast- um, astronomer, but he was also a linguist. So in order to kind of, you know, look at the stars at night time and note things down, <laughs> he had to, you know, camp away from... Um, the kind of um, city area, which was the Sydney area, um, so out of town, which is known as Dawes Point, which is just the um, the pillar for um, the Harbour Bridge. So he camped there, and so he, there he got to um, get to meet a lot of um, Aboriginal people. And one of the people he met was Pachigarang, and so she was a local um, Aboriginal woman from that area. And so they got into a close relationship where he noted down um, the Gadigal language, and. Um, once he left Sydney, he took the notebooks with him and they were just found around like 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to also be a part of a project which was um, Pajigarang's notebooks, which was um, a work by Jonathan Jones. And so that's where I read out the language which I'd never heard of or seen before. So it was amazing to see these notebooks, um, read them out and for all of our family really mm. to hear mm. this language really for the first time. So, So yeah. it's not a language that people uh, speak... Not like yeah, not fluently like yeah, anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was yeah. really important to hear yeah. it and be able to speak it and also sing it, incorporate it into um, the Brown Guru work, which now you know you can just go to the site, listen to us sing it, and it was just really mm. beautiful and opportunity to be a part of. And a lot of people say that it's like it's dead or it's not a it's it's a, it's a language that doesn't exist anymore. But you know we've found we've we've found some of the language and we're trying to you know be a part of many people that are trying to revive it and as long as we're singing it or you know even speaking a couple of words the language is still alive and still continuing so that's a really big part of it for us as well is this revival something that is going ongoing for you both like are you going to continue to be involved in more projects that are a revival of language yeah, yeah definitely absolutely. we hope so yeah, yeah because you know at the moment all all aboriginal languages are um, classified as endangered so you know um, there's about around 250 Aboriginal languages across Australia, um, and today only about 150 of them are left, and we lose about two each year. So it is, oh. you know, highly important to get people to kind of mm. even just, you know, other Aboriginal um, youth to kind of who may be listening just to kind of you know just talk to elders, talk to your family, and just try and record as much as you can yeah. because it's just so important. Mm. Yeah, mm. it sounds like it was a really important. Um, experience for you to speak that those languages and those words mm. as well yeah sounds incredible and do you think it is there are implications for maybe non-indigenous people to speak indigenous languages and like what you, yeah, can you talk a little bit I think that? so why Absolutely. not yeah. well it's you know it is an aboriginal language but it's Australia's language you know mm. Australia has 250 mm-hmm. languages yeah so I think it is important for you know us to all together revive it and share it and you know something that we'd really like to see is languages being taught in schools mm. um and you know it, it starts from there mm, just creating awareness absolutely yeah. creating awareness and you know it's not just exclusive to indigenous people it mm. should be accessible for everyone yeah right mm. lily you work at taronga zoo mm-hmm. on a bird tour yeah yeah. That- <laughs> yeah so i currently work on the australian you know, fauna precinct, yeah. but um, just on birds mm-hmm. at the moment, and yeah. So, what's the significance? <laughs> can you can you talk us through it a little yeah. bit? Well, I think um, so. I'm currently completing an, indig- uh, an indigenous traineeship at Taronga Zoo. Um, so, recently, I've been very f- 
fortunate to be um, a, be a part of the um, NADOC bird shows. So this is where I've incorporated some dreaming stories from different areas of Australia about the specific birds that we have in the show. So like for the wedgetail eagle and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's been a great opportunity to share with, you know, because hun- hundreds of people come each day to the zoo um, and come to see this bird show. And so it's great to just kind of give people, you know, an idea that, you know, there's how significant you know, animals are to Aboriginal people, but just to also, once again, just to create that awareness and just to encourage people to go out and just learn more about Aboriginal culture. So it's been Mm. a really great opportunity for me to hopefully encourage people to do Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I really want to come and see the bird show. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. I went, went like, four times (laughs) in two weeks. (laughs) And Maddie, you were recently featured in Harper's Bazaar's list of beautiful people. Yes. Um, Are there expectations placed on you um, through that feature and other features of that kind um, Mm. as a woman of colour and specifically as an Indigenous woman? Are there expectations that you would have to speak on behalf of a big group of people? Yeah, well, it's sort of something that I have talked about recently. When I was growing up, I often, you know, you were made to feel your differences. So my Aboriginality was kind of like, that made me different or it kind of made me a bit of, you know, an outcast in school. But growing up, I've realised, and, you know, and everyone around me has always celebrated the Aboriginality and that's what made them different. So for me, just it's really just about me being me and this fabulous at every age um, kind of feature was really about you know just the work I've done um and kind of continue to do and my activism and and me being really interested in politics as well Mm -hmm. so I you know I I can't be a represent a representative of all Aboriginal people but I try and you know speak about our issues as kind of widely as as I can and um you know just being a visible black woman in mainstream media is really important for me and you know I hope to use my platform as a way of kind of you know making a positive change or an influence yeah definitely yeah so you know that's for me is the the main motive behind my work is just being a visible yeah visible black woman in the media (laughs) (laughs) we're both doing a great job (laughs) so for people who want to go and check out the project at Barangaroo they Mm. can still see it Right now, it's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah amazing. So, yeah, it's 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 great how it's been done because it, it's kind of um, suited really, for all people. Yeah. Because if you have um, it's it's if you download the app, <laughs> um, you could access it off your iPhone, so you can kind kind of go to the site. Yeah, right. Um, and it's there's really, rock engravings. Yeah, there. It's, it's really interactive. Yeah, so they've gotten um, elders to do rock engravings on each site. So mm. um, the site you can scan our rock engraving, and then the film will come up, yeah. and just a little exam. You know, a few yeah, bit of information. Y- you can you can walk along the sort of the coastline of Barangaroo, yeah, which is a beautiful yeah. walk, and they've got you know the the videos installed yeah. along the way, and it's really interactive. Mm-hmm. And like Lily said, if you download the app, you can just go up to like a picture um, from one of the films and you just hold your phone above it and then the film comes to life and the songs, you know, are sung and stuff like that. So mm. it's really, it's a really beautiful way for people to yeah, right. immerse themselves in, in the culture. Mm. Cool. We'll, we'll put a link up to that on our show page as well. So <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely check awesome. it out. Um, Maddie and Lily, thank you so much for coming in to chat to us. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, <laughs> if you, you missed much. any thank of you. the interview, we'll yeah, put it up online, fbiradio.com. Click on programs and then click on agenda. This uh, is a bit of a shift in gear, but this week marks the two um, two decades since Missy 
Misdemeanor Elliot dropped her debut album Super Duper Fly, <laughs> and it still holds up as one of the greatest musical debuts of all time. Uh, so this is a there's a really good dazed article about the feminist legacy of Missy Elliot, and if you go through her videos over the last twenty years, it's like incredible she was like so ahead of her time um but stick around we're gonna play um the rain by missy elliott but stick around for our next segment go home everything is terrible for all the week's uh news from a feminist it's not that terrible this week I can't stand the rain. 
listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and this is Go Home, Everything is Terrible, except everything is not terrible. Beyonce blessed us with a very strong photo of her babies, Rumi and Sir, and I think that's just the vibe. It's It's been a it's good, a good omen. Yeah, it's a good omen. Yeah. Uh, also good news, Twitter blew up when a Michigan CEO's reply to his employee's sick day email went viral. Web developer Ma- Madeline Parker emailed her colleagues to let them know she'd be taking two days off to focus on her mental well-being and her boss's response read... This is a reminder of the importance of using sick days for mental health. I can't believe this is not standard practice at all organisations. You're an example to us all and help cut through the stigma so we can bring our whole selves to work. Yeah, I kind of saw the title of that article and was like, oh, it was like, you won't believe what this yeah, that's um, what... this boss replied to this sick mental health day. And I was like, oh, it's going to be some horrible thing. And it was so sweet and It was and so lovely. Nice and, yeah, it was really I good. I thought the same thing. Um, in bad news, feminist activist Sheila Michaels, who played a key role in bringing the title Ms. from obscur- obscurity into mainstream use, has died at 78. In a process she later described as a timid eight-year crusade, she helped bring the term to the masses after first entering the term in the... So, like, the term was invented or whatever in the 19... early... Um, 20th century, but it wasn't until the 1960s that it, it like entered the mainstream as an option in yeah, forms. And, I yeah. just always thought that it was a um, an option, but that's not true. Uh, also in good news, Black Mirror's San Junipero nominated for two Emmys in a win for the visibility of queer women on television. Also, Selma director Ava DuVernay has a new film in the works featuring Maddie, Mindy Kaling, Reese Witherspoon, and none other than Oprah herself. Izzy's very excited about this, as we mentioned before. Very uh, a Wrinkle in Time is the upcoming adapt- adaption of the 1963 science fantasy novel. Um, in news, I guess, Tyler, the creator, has come out, or he's, I don't know, he hasn't come out, but he's potentially signalled to his bisexuality in a leaked track from the album Flower Boy. Fans have noticed a line in the track, I Ain't Got Time, where Tyler raps, next line will have them like, whoa, I've been kissing white boys since 2004. (laughs) He also tweeted in 2015 that he tried to come out and nobody cared and replied to a false report that he was dating Kendall Jenner with, not possible, we're both gay. Um, There is a real legacy of um, musicians, male musicians, um, having to hide their sexuality or like homosexuality or queerness. So... I think that it's nice that he's coming out if he is gay, but if he's not and this is like a hype thing, then it's not so good. So anyway. Yeah, I have mm, I have so many feelings about the like coming out as a thing in general, like the, I don't know, the politicization or the kind of like... Commodifying expect- it for Yeah, him. or even just the expectation of having to announce to... I get that. Yeah, anyway. Mm. It's another time to go into that, time will uh, tell. that discussion. <laughs> but... Um, Trump has come under fire again for his comments about the First Lady of Francis, uh, Brigitte Macron, telling her that she was in good shape and beautiful, which hasn't received the same kind of attention as uh, the French president giving his wife a butt tap during a Paris tour with T- Donald and Melania Trump. That was, that's good news. I think the, the Trump <laughs> thing is bad news. The butt tap is like, okay. it's good news. We have very differing opinions on this because I think the, the butt tap is like very condescending. 
And I see it like that to me just signals this very like patriarchal kind of ownership no, thing. it's French. I hate it. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter if it's French. It's I think, terrible. I think if Trump had done it, it would have been really gross because he has this, the, there is like this precedence of him being like a predator and a, um, but I think if you're in a committed um, what's it no. called like respectful relationship no. and it's like cute <laughs> I don't think it's cute at all get it girl no Brigitte. <laughs> no when people when past partners have tapped me on the butt or had this like I it's like my instant turn around and get really angry about it it's like kind of response yeah I hate yeah. it it just feels really condescending and it's really relative. and it, he didn't do it as a public thing it was like meant to be a private also moment. just in Joe Winton my mum just texted <laughs> I also hate the butt tap makes me furious <laughs> see thanks mum <laughs> all right well in Kardashian news <laughs> I'm pro butt tap just for the record yeah yeah I know um, I hear that there is uh, um so Kardashian news. Oh, yeah. Kardashian news. Correspondent, give us give us the update, please. Dun, dun. China appeared outside of a courthouse on Monday where a judge issued an order that prohibits Kardashian, Rob Kardashian, that is, from coming near her and restraining him from a cyberbullying, including posting anything online of a personal nature, according to her, um, that is, Black China's attorney, Lisa Bloom. So the quote is... Uh, we had a complete victory. The judge gave us everything we asked for, which has set um, a very strong and enforceable restraining order against Rob Kardashian. Bloom said outside the courthouse, revenge porn is a form of domestic abuse. It is also a crime in California and 38 other states, and it is civil. It is a civil wrong. I think that is great news. It's good news. Yeah, yeah it's good news. Um, uh, in bad news, the Daily Telegraph has outdone itself with an article published earlier this week depicting being LGBT, LGBTQI as a health concern. Uh, in the infographic, the stats pulled from a recent survey detail behaviour by young Aussies that apparently contribute to their unhealthiness under the headline of fat chance of being healthy. So basically just signalling that being an LGBTQI person is unhealthy. I Which feel is like there's just a chicken oh, at the man. Daily Telegraph just like typing random things. It's I just, just get like it together. I mean, it's not only queer phobic, but it's fat phobic as well. Like it's yeah. just awful rhetoric the whole across the board. It was anyway, that's bad news. Bad news. But I think all things considered, Beyonce, Black China. <laughs> Are we having a recap? I'm just trying to finish it off with a track from Olympia based punk band oh I don't know if they're punk band hardcore hardcore band gloss that is girls living outside societies shit <laughs> I didn't do language writing on that um, again this is an audio medium but if you could have seen Isabel's face when she was about to whisper that uh, swear word <laughs> um, was, but they're really cool vocalising queer and trans experience with unapologetically brutal punk releases of the year there you go this they're one uh, uh, small language warning on this one <laughs> Uh, you've been listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Stick around for Back Chat up next. Unless we were girls, how we talk, just look and cry. They told us we were girls, so we claimed our female lives. Now they tell us we are girls, our femininity doesn't 